This is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. You know, I think we probably have one of the few churches that uh, during the holidays, our attendance usually goes way down because we have so many young families that go to be with their families, and we rejoice in that. Honestly, that's a, that's a blessing from God, uh, but we sure do appreciate the fact you guys are here with us. Well, this morning, shock of shocks, we're going to talk about Christmas, right? Uh, this season of, of giving, this uh, season of receiving, this season of taking a deep breath because we finally got all those things done that we put off for so long, right? Uh, and uh, I was telling some folks as they were coming in, I feel really good this year because all my shopping's done already. Normally, that is not the case. You know, normally I'm going to a convenience store someplace at about 9.30 on Christmas Eve night going, hey, what do you guys got left? The exact opposite of Lauren, who probably has most of her Christmas gifts ready for next year already. Uh, So always amazing and convicting uh, when we look at those things. Uh, I'm going to do several things this morning. Much of what we do is going to be introduction. Uh, And then we're going to tell a little story about the story, and then we're going to tell the story. So, might be just a a little confusing, but, you know, sometimes we, we forget that the Christmas story did not start in a manger. The Christmas story started at a tree. It started at a tree when a woman listened to the voice of a serpent that basically told her, you can be like God. God is holding back on you. And she believed that lie. And she took of that fruit and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And it was right after that that the Christmas story was birthed, because as part of the curse, God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are more cursed than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. So up to that point, snakes walked. Doesn't that excite you? You shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And here comes Christmas. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. You see, all the way back in Genesis, 
We have the promise of the woman's seed, which is just weird regardless of how you look at it, right? Because it's not the seed of the woman from which humanity is propagated, right? It's just not the way it works. Bro, you younger kids, wait till you get in biology class in a couple of years. But here we have the promised seed of a woman that is going to do something spectacular. Later on, one of the prophets who... uh, Many of you know my favorite story in all the Bible is in Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of the voice of the seraph, the foundation of the temple shook. And the room was filled with smoke. Later on, John the Apostle writes these words in referring back to Isaiah's vision. Isaiah spoke of Jesus whom he saw and wrote about. And I bring that up because it's important for us to realize Jesus did not begin to exist in the manger. He was high and lifted up and seated on a throne long before that. The very next chapter after Isaiah shares his vision, he says, okay, here is going, the Lord is going to give you a sign The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. (laughs) So we got a a woman's seed and a virgin given birth. It's about to get weird up in here, right? Then in Malachi, the Lord speaks. And says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And at that point, God closed his prophetic book for 400 years. God was still at work. God was still doing things in people's lives. He wasn't on vacation. But he no longer sent prophets to the nation of Israel at a time when they desperately needed it. If you study the intertestamental period, man, they were in trouble. And then, and then, Luke is is one of my favorite gospels because uh, basically Luke and Acts is one book, right? I mean, if you... We, we got it in separate books, but if, if, you're, if you're ever reading through your Bible chronologically, read Luke and then directly read, read Acts. Then read the other Gospels or read the other Gospels first, but read those two books together. Luke was an amazing guy. He was a doctor. Uh, he was with Paul on his journey. He was a disciple of Paul. What we can, from what we can tell is, more than likely, he interviewed Mary to get much of his information. 
She was the one that shared with him about how she felt when the shepherds came and, uh, and, and were worshiping her son. She was the one who was informing him as to what was going on emotionally. That brings us to Zacharias. Zacharias was one of the priests of God, some over 3,000 of them. Uh, the way the priestly office worked, uh, there were 24 different teams, we would call them, uh, because the Jewish calendar had 51 weeks. And so three weeks a year, every priest would come to Jerusalem and serve in the temple. But then two weeks a year, each team would cover the temple work. And so that way, there was uh, always a group serving in the temple. There were 24 different teams of priests that, that worked in the temple to serve the Lord. And it was really interesting because everybody had different jobs to do. The only one that could go into the holy of holies was the high priest, and that was one day a year when he made the offering for the atonement, sacrificed the lamb, the perfect lamb. But then there was the, the holy place, which was just outside the holy of holies. Uh, and, and that was where the incense were offered, usually twice a day. And, and, and that, because that was such a special opportunity, a priest was only allowed to do it one time in his entire ministry. And they cast the lot. And, and, and man, if you ever study the lot, you're going to see about 19 different things. Because we really don't have any idea how it works. We just don't know. But somehow God used the lot to communicate. That was the way the Moravians made pretty much every decision. The Moravians decided who could and could not marry one another based on the lot. How'd you all like to do that? You know, comes up snake eyes. Sorry, guys, you're out of luck. Right? But can you imagine Zechariah? He's, he's packing up yet again. One of those five weeks a year that he goes to Jerusalem to serve in the temple. And, and, and as, he's, as he's packing the bag, he's got his system down. He knows what he's doing. But as he, as he looks at his hand and, and he sees the wrinkles and the the beginning of the age marks. And he recognizes he doesn't have many of these trips left. And this trip's going to be special because he's going to get to do something he has never gotten to do before and he will never get to do again. And before he hits the road, he he reaches down and he hugs his wife. He recognizes he is so blessed because he has a love marriage. And many, if not most of the people in that day and age did not possess such a thing. He loved his wife. And yet, even though they lived godly lives, she was barren. And in that culture, what that meant was that 
Others assumed there was sin in your life. God was holding back on you because you had done something wrong. And Zacharias hated it because he knew when he left, because it happened when he was there, that as they walked through the village streets, the women would look and point and whisper. And he knew what they were saying. And he knew that even though she didn't make a big deal about it, his wife knew as well. And the day came for him to to go into the temple and make the sacrifices. It was probably the evening sacrifice because of the crowd. There were larger crowds then than there were in the mornings. And he went in to make the sacrifice. And as he did, an angel of the Lord appeared and stood to the right of the altar of incense. (laughs) He was troubled. As a matter of fact, pretty much every time in Scripture we see an angel appeared either troubled or do not fear or terrified comes into play. And sure enough, the angel said, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. So we know from that This has been an ongoing prayer of Zechariah. He has prayed for his wife. He has had a burden for his wife. He loves his wife. And he desperately, desperately, desperately wants a child, both for her and for him. And the angel goes farther and he says... Your son's going to be special. You're going to have joy and gladness, and many people are going to rejoice at his birth, for he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's not going to drink wine or strong drink, and he is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. By the way, for anybody that's a believer, if it comes to the point of when does life begin, this example, he is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Kind of gives us a pretty good idea, right? What the scriptural perspective is. And he's going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he is going to go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. By the way, that's, that's quoting some of what was written about the Elijah to come, right? So an angel appears to you and says, You're, this prayer you have prayed for so long has been answered. And your response? Well, how am I going to know this? Because I'm old and my wife's old. Wrong answer. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, angel. And that's essentially, that's essentially what the angel said. He goes, and and you got to, I just hear attitude. Right? When I read that, we tend to read the Bible just 
with no intonation. But the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But hey, you're going to be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And so from that moment, he, he comes out, and this huge crowd is out there, and they're like, dude, what's taking so long? It's incense, right? Realize the guy's old, but how long does it take to make a fire and burn incense? And they're murmuring among themselves, like, what, what's going on? And he comes out, and he's going, uh, 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 and he can't talk. But an unusual thing, it says, he finished his course of ministry. Like, he, he struck mute and he finished doing what God had called him to do. I'm, and I'm just wondering, what did that look like? You know, you can't say anything. Probably a lot of those guys wanted to work with him at that point. Right? Nice silence. And so he goes home and very shortly thereafter, his wife Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And for five months, she goes and she hides herself. Maybe out of fear that there'll be a miscarriage. Who knows? We're not told. It just says <clears throat> she goes and she stays away from people for five months. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, 400 years he's had a break. Now he's busy as all get out, Right? He appears to a young girl in a little village that scholars for years said didn't even exist because there wasn't any record they could find of it. Now, since then, they found a bunch of records of it, right? Which is pretty much what we have found in Scripture over and over and over again where people have questioned whether Scripture was true or not. Came to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. She was probably between 12 and 15 years of age. Girls at that time could, uh, started marrying at 12. Boys couldn't. They had to wait. Boys weren't mature enough until they were 14. Man, that terrifies me. And the angel came in and said, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among, not above, but among women. But listen to what happens here. It says, And she was troubled, not at his appearance, but at his saying. She was a young girl from one of the poorest villages, from one of the poorest regions, Nine out of ten people that lived in the region of Galilee lived below the substance, substance level. In other words, it was a scramble for them to find enough food to eat. Ninety percent of the population struggled with having enough to live. And a heavenly being appears to you and says, Rejoice! 
For what? And the angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary asked a question, okay, how can this be? Her question was one of explanation, not one of doubt, right? Which is different than what Zechariah's was. Because she goes, you know, I'm betrothed, but Joseph and I have done this right. <laughs> we, have, we have honored ourselves. We've honored the Lord. We have honored the commands of Scripture. I am a virgin. So how's that going to work? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now, it's interesting because some critics of the Bible say, oh, well, the virgin birth, man, that's just one of those stories that, you know, is passed over from other religions, these twisted things of, you know, God's coming down and sleeping with men. There is no... No leaning at all into that with this story. There's, there, there's, there's nothing untoward. It's simply that God allowed that egg to be fertilized within her. While totally maintaining his holiness and her holiness. Now you know as a young Jewish girl, she would have had to have known. Man, if I'm pregnant while well, I'm betrothed. That's a bad thing. She had to be thinking that she lived in a society. She had seen women shunned and more than likely had probably seen women stoned. Because even though the religious leaders didn't do that, they lived out in, in, um, among a bunch of, of, of people who made their own rules. It's kind of like in India. There's a lot of national rules in India and yet people are still killed on a regular basis because of their faith, even though it's against the law. And so she knew all these things. But she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And just before the angel left her, he said, By the way, your close relative, Elizabeth, she's now in her sixth month. with a special child as well. And so Mary got up very soon after that, and she went uh, to Zacharias and Elizabeth's house. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she went, blessed are you among women, and began to praise what God was doing in the life of Mary because of what the baby was doing. And, and she says, Blessed is the one who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. You know, we're not told whether Mary shared with her. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. Maybe it was a supernatural revelation. But regardless, there's a lot of supernatural things happening. And then Mary goes off into song. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. 
And she stayed there with Liz about, about three months, and then she went back to her house. Not Joseph's house, her house, which indicates they probably weren't still married at this point. And Elizabeth brought forth a son, and they were, they were saying, okay, we're going to name him Zacharias. You would know we're naming him John. And the people went, no, you can't name him. You don't have anybody in the family named John. What's up with that? And they gave Zacharias, they made motions to him. It could be he was deaf and dumb. We're not told for sure, but they made signals to him rather than just talking to him. Uh, and, and he got a pad and he said, his name is John. And instantly at that moment, his vocal cords began to work. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he began prophesying. He, he began prophesying. You know, his son, was, his son was born. His son was there on that eighth day to be celebrated. And yet, he spends the first half of his song rejoicing not over his son, but over the Savior that his son was going to prepare the way for. A Savior who was going to bring salvation to the world. And then... He rejoiced over his son and what God was going to do through his son. And here's where the story starts. All that was introduction. But don't worry, we'll get you out in time for Christmas. Now, it happened in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this census took place first when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown so that they could register. Joseph went from Nazareth, which was in the Galilee, uh, and he went to the city of David in Judea, which is also called Bethlehem. And Joseph took with him his betrothed wife, Mary, who was pregnant. And so while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And so she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she covered him in swaddling cloths. And she laid him in a manger because there was no room there in the house. Now, at that same time, there were some shepherds who were living out in the fields, watching over their flocks by night. And suddenly, an angel stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. And the angel spoke and said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people, because unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this will be your sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. And suddenly, with that angel, there was an army of angels, and they were saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. 
when the angels had gone back up into heaven, the shepherds said, uh, hey, let's go see this thing we were told about. And so they went into Bethlehem and they found the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And when they told the people who were there what they had been told about this child, everyone was amazed. But Mary, she kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds, they went back to their flocks rejoicing and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard that had been told to them. And, and that's our story from God's Word. You know, Bethlehem is kind of a special place. It's not the first major uh, Bible birth that has taken place in Bethlehem. Because Joseph's little brother Benjamin was born there when Rachel gave birth to him and she died not long after Notice it says, while they were there. It doesn't say when they got there. It says while they were there. So apparently they'd been there for a little bit before the baby was born. And the word there for inn is not, you know, that they didn't have holiday inns or quality inns back in those days. They didn't even have Hilton's. Typically what somebody would do is stay with family members, and that was where his family heritage was from, but... The fact there wasn't space there for a pregnant woman may have indicated that the reputation of Mary had preceded them through other family members. And so the fact that there wasn't room for them may have said something about what the family felt. Just the fact that Joseph took a nine-month pregnant woman with him on a 90-mile trip could have indicated what people back home felt about Mary as well. And so, uh, this is a different word for in. Luke later on tells about the Good Samaritan, right? He talks about what in the Good Samaritan? An in? Totally different word. This word is often, often talked about a house. She gave birth, and you know, we make a big deal about that, but in those days and times, it was a little rougher than, you know, than what we're, we're used to. I mean, uh, Pam and I used to go to Haiti quite a bit, and while we were there, it was, it was interesting because as an American, they would look at you and just assume you had medical knowledge. Whew, that's a bad assumption, right? And they say, here, come and help us, come and help this baby be born, and I'm like, Okay. And then they would let you name the baby. I tried and tried to get somebody to name a little girl Butchetta. <laughs> but it just never, never worked. By the way, it's still out there. For you guys that are pregnant. And it's going to stand out. Right? People are going to remember that name. She gave birth, and immediately the word came to these shepherds. And these shepherds may very well have been uh, 
teenagers, possibly even younger, possibly a mix in age, and more than likely, there were probably some girls with them. Because if you, if you ever go to Israel and, and, and that region, if you look at the shepherds, there's a lot of them that are, that are the girls. Because it's, you know, they were real close to Bethlehem. Not, not a lot of risk of lions and tigers and bears, oh my, coming and attacking the sheep. Right? So it's more like you're protecting the sheep from two-legged animals, from stealing them. And so these, these shepherds, suddenly the glory of the Lord shines right round about them, and his angel speaks to them, and then there's a host. Let me give you the Greek definition of host. Bunch. There were a bunch of angels saying, glory to God in the highest. And, and you know, I just, if, if I had been one of those shepherds and somebody said, hey, let's go see this thing, I'm like, you think? Really? Like, you even have to have that conversation? Why aren't we moving now? And it goes to show you how small Bethlehem was that they found the child. We know he couldn't have been crying because of the, uh, uh, the song. <laughs> so we, you know, don't know how they found him. Google Maps, I'm guessing. But when they found him, notice they told everyone about the things that had been told to them. We are such an individualistic society. I watched a great series of videos this last week called The Christmas Experience by Kyle Eidelman, in the, the pastor of uh, uh, Louisville Southland, Southeast Christian. Uh, and uh, it was a, a great, great series. But there were several things there, like... The two of them were totally alone. They got there. She gave birth. And I'm thinking, you know, if you've, ever, if you've ever traveled a lot, which God gives me the opportunity to do, and you're in cultures that are very much more communal, women don't do anything by themselves. I mean, they travel in herds. And they love fellowshipping with each other. It's just hard to imagine a young woman giving birth without a bunch of women coming to help. And we have here, when the shepherds showed up, right not long after the birth, they told everyone, and the people were amazed and marveled. Right? Which tells us what? It wasn't just the sheep and the talking donkey that were there in the stable, based on which movie you watched. Right? There were other people. And Mary pondered these things she thought she tried to put all the pieces together every time every time I read that I think of my wife because you tell my wife anything she's going to spend three days pondering it okay what did that mean what were they trying to what were they trying to get across I mean she is she is just gonna she's gonna mull on that thing right over and over and that's what Mary was doing because she knew this was a special child. The angel had told her some specific things about this child, but had not told her everything about the child. And she spent a lot of time thinking about this child and what his birth and his life were going to mean. You know, guys, Christmas and Easter are the two hardest times for pastors. Because you've heard everything. 
right? Like for those of us that are really old, you know, those of us that were actually at the nativity scene, it's hard to kind of shake us out of our already locked in expectations and get us to think. But I, I want to challenge you as this Christmas season rolls around, tomorrow morning as Christmas comes and, and the children begin to rip through the wrapping paper of the gifts. And, of course, you always have that one child who's going to slowly untie everything. and get, get with it. Hurry it up. Right? As you have those things going on, stop and think. The manger and Christmas was awesome. Praise God for it. But every time you think about the manger, you should think that manger appeared in the shadow of the cross. That manger was there for one reason. So that Jesus Christ, the one who sat on that throne, worshipped by angels, and the mere worship had power. The foundation of the temple shook because of the worship of the angels. It wasn't that Jesus, it was just their worship. He was so powerful that worshiping him brought power. He stepped down from that throne and became a baby and lived a sinless, perfect life and then died a sacrificial, atoning death for you And for me, every gift we give and every gift we receive should be a reminder of that greatest gift that's ever been offered. And you know the beauty of it? That gift is still being offered today. That gift of the perfect lamb is being offered to you And to me today. And if you have never received that gift, I just want to encourage you. Prayerfully consider. Prayerfully consider what Jesus said in the scripture. That everyone who comes to me, everyone who comes to me, will have eternal life. It's so simple, it's annoying. He uses the story of Numbers 21 of the serpents being lifted up in the wilderness. And all people had to do was look up and they were healed. And Jesus said, it's that same way. If people would look at me on the cross and believe in that same way, in that simplicity of faith, I will give them new life and forgive them of the consequences of their sin. If you've got questions about that, we'd love to talk to you about it. But our prayer is that this Christmas would be a Christmas where everyone might get the greatest gift that's ever been given. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together uh, individually, if that's possible. And as we, as we take communion, I just want you to stop and think about that, that blood and the body of Christ being broken. What that means and how we can apply that to our lives.
And what difference it ought to make. We should marvel on a regular basis at this great gift. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one seated on the throne. The right hand of God the Father, Lord. And yet, Lord, you were willing to come on our, our behalf. And so as we come and celebrate, Lord, as we partake of uh, this Lord's Supper that you instituted, may we be reminded of that great gift, the greatest gift. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who has not taken that step of faith, I pray that your Holy Spirit might speak to them in a powerful way today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we sing, let's all stand. And as we sing, please come and partake. Uh, and also, for those of you who uh, you've been listening to us talk, we're having our Lottie Moon Christmas offering today and next week. Uh, this is our Lottie's chest. Uh, and uh, if uh, you want to come and, and drop your offering here, I know a lot of folks give their offering online or uh, in other ways, and that's fine. Just put Lottie Moon, buy it, and we'll, we'll make sure we get that. But I know for a lot of families, they enjoy doing that. Uh, and we will have this up next week as well uh, so that everyone can participate who would like.